What is it like to have served in the war in Iraq or in Af- Afghanistan? With me today is Jay White, who has worked with a lot of vets from the global war on terrorism, and he's a readjustment counselor, and he's been he's been there and back. Jay, welcome so much to the show. You're from the Hartford Vet Center, aren't you? Yes, I am. Thank you for having me, Dr. Kenner. Yeah, and I wondered, what was it like when you were first called over? What was that like for you? Um, we were first called over in 2003, and to be honest with you, our unit was um, kind of alerted since September 11th. So we went about a year and a half of uh, waiting to go, and to be honest with you, it was a little bit relieving to finally uh, to finally get the, the real call. And so dealing with the uncertainty was really tough on you. It was very tough. Yeah. Um, the whole year of 2002 was just uh, in limbo for not just me, but my family and everyone involved, friends, co-workers. Uh, and that went for pretty much all the guys in my unit. Yeah, and is, is that something like there's nothing you can do about that? The uncertainty is real and there's no specific way to cope? Or did you find a way that really helped you cope with having been called up and being in that waiting period? Personally, um, I spent most of the time just staying in shape and focusing on getting in good physical condition more than anything. And I think that helped me mentally, too. But um, I just, my theory was uh, if something happens to me, I didn't want it to happen to me because I was too slow or something. <laughs> so it was, you were really uh, gearing up for survival. Sure, I guess you could say that. But, you know, I just, it was kind of like we had never experienced it before. So, for anybody who's like played sports or anything, you think of it as a as a big event. So you need to get in shape for that event, and that's what I did. So during that period, then once you got the call to go over, how did that affect you? And I'm assuming you're not married. I'm not married yet. Actually, I'll probably be married uh, by the end of the summer. Okay. But, um, how did it affect me when I got called? Uh, my, uh, I remember my mother was not happy at all, but I kept telling her and uh, anyone who agreed with her that uh, that it was a good thing because we had to go and come back before we could finally, you know, be done with worrying about going. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, so you focus more on the relief, Mom. We've been living in uncertainty for I so long. To, right. I had to pretty much explain to her, you know, uh, well, listen, we're going to go, so let's just go and get this over with. Yeah, and what? As a mother, I'm I'm a mother too, and I would I know what I would feel like. I would just feel devastated because I would picture him coming back hurt, or maybe even not coming back. How did you know? How do you help people like your mother who are in that position? Well, uh, to be honest with you, you know that what she's thinking is a possibility, um, and it's not easy. What do, What do you tell someone? So. I think the best thing to do is, in any situation, is kind of focus on the positive, and that being, oh, I'm with people I know. Uh, in my case, uh, my reserve unit, I'm with my friends. What I'm going to be doing over there, in particular for me, was was a good thing. Um, you know, just keep reiterating, listen, uh, I'm mature. I'll make the right decisions. I'll keep in mind the safety of, you know, the mission before we go out, and I won't be doing crazy things. Just kind of anything to reassure, you know, a parent or whatever. Are there ways to keep in contact? Were they able to touch base with you and um, during the war? Um, they could, to a degree. 
it's better than it is. Uh, it's better now than it is than it was in um, OIF one. They call it um, that. That was the first phase of the Iraq War. Yeah. Um, for for me in particular, I didn't have the the easiest time contacting home for the first couple of months uh, when the war first started. Yeah. Um, just based on where I was, and didn't get mail for a month or so, and it was, but that was an isolated situation. Um, that, that where we were. Um, but for the for the people in the rear detachment, then they they could have contacted home, and uh, for um, for pretty much everybody now, from what I've been hearing from the veterans who come in here, they have uh, a decent amount of contact. So there's uh, some support, and it's yeah, not like it's a vacuum. You hear that too much contact is is an issue, actually. Right, Jay. What would you say was the scariest moment in the war for you? Um, no doubt that <laughs> I remember the date actually. Uh, it was April fifteenth, two thousand three. It was just the middle of the night, and I guess and now looking back, it, it, there were just mortars coming in. We weren't at a particular base; we just kind of hopped around. This is in Baghdad. In or? Baghdad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you just didn't know. I mean, like the pattern of them; it just seemed like they got closer and closer, and louder and louder. And uh, the scariest part was thinking that you could be dead in the next thirty seconds, but not even that. Um, it wasn't as much about afraid of dying as it was as, uh, thinking, how is the news going to be handled when, when it get, reaches home? You know, that, that to me was like... So thinking of your family members. Thinking of them and that. feeling that responsibility that, oh my God, I'm going to cause so much pain and there's nothing I can do about it, you know? Right. Well, uh, that's fascinating. Out of situation, like, I wish I could snap my fingers and just be at home. Anything at home would be better than this right now. So just... For that... For that two-hour period or whatever it was. Yeah, and then there must have been tremendous relief when you felt out of danger again. Uh, well, it's gradual, but yeah. yeah. Oh, so it it, it... it is, when you look back at the whole thing, it is relieving, but, you know, it, it, it's not like you're there and then, oh, it's gone. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a gradual thing, so... So I want to give you a moment to be able to explain what you do. You served in the National Guard, but you're you're now a readjustment counselor, and what would you like to tell people? People like yourselves who've served in in Afghanistan or Iraq. Um, well, they hired um, like fifty of us uh, who are veterans of either Afghanistan or Iraq in two thousand and four, uh, and I was lucky enough to get a position here in Hartford. Um, so they they hired us with the intention that veterans coming back will feel more comfortable. Uh, at least that's what my take is that. Uh, they hired us for that reason, that veterans would feel more comfortable talking to somebody who was there and is in their rough age group and whatnot. Um, but the biggest thing is, there is it, it's not easy to come in. First of all, you get home, you're with a bunch of your friends, you've seen them all the time, you, you just want to go home and and uh, forget about it and go back to work. And, you know, if you're in the reserves or the guard especially, and there's so many of them, uh, even active duty, a lot of times they come home and they have another mission. And you want people to be able to reach out and get the help. I think you would right, mention that to me. Exactly. Um, Where they, can they go for help? Well, they can go anywhere, and not just the vet center. There, there are vet centers in pretty much every uh, city in the country, and uh, in, in definitely in every state. And that's that's a great place to go because the the veteran, uh, the counselors are veterans, and it's free. With a, Is there uh, a number or a website? Um. There is, yeah. There's an 800 number that um, that they can call. 
but okay we don't have that right now yeah well listen i want to thank you so much for coming on the show today i'm talking with jay white who's from the department of veterans affair affairs in hartford right yes. and you're a readjustment counselor and so if you're a vet coming back and you're a family member of a vet correct jay that's right yeah. you can reach out and get the help and there's no stigma to it they're, they're really working on trying to not have this be a stigma issue for the military thank you so much for joining us today jay Okay, thank you. You're welcome. And it's not always easy to reach out and get that help. I worked at a veterans hospital for two years. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, um, and I'm a clinical psychologist. And if you have somebody in your family who needs the help, who's just returning or anticipating going overseas, try to get that help and try to be supportive of one another. Keep the communication lines open for all of you because... It's, it's hard on everybody all the way around. There's so much stress, and the last thing you want is a lot of stress going on between you when you're dealing with the, the stress of someone going off to fight in, in the military. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. Great being with you this week. Your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. Your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by Drs. Kenner and Locke. How we communicate can sabotage our relationships. Here are a few examples of ineffective communication techniques. Threats. If you don't apologize now, I'm packing my bags and leaving. Or, if we don't have sex soon, I'm going to find someone else. Global language. You never listen to me. Or, you always manage to be late. Predicting an unhappy future. You'll never make anything of yourself lecturing. You should call your mother more often. I know she wasn't a good mother, but she needs you now and it's wrong to ignore her needs. You should put your own issues aside and be more caring. And catastrophizing. I saw you smile at that sales clerk. You don't love me anymore. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com and you can buy the book at amazon.com.